Hello and welcome to Talking with Friends. Ooh. And today is a very special episode. Um, not only do I have the beautiful, lovely Callie with me, but we are also very excited to welcome Lauren, the Lauren of Lauren Does Cosplay <laughs> and In the Reads. Oh. Thank you for being here, Lauren. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I'm always so flattered when anyone like wants to hear my stupid opinions on anything. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, we're absolutely obsessed with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit. And yeah. trying not to be weird. Trying not to be weird right now. <laughs> we tried to get the weirdness over before we hit record. So yeah. Yeah, we started like going on a little too much, and we were like, "Should we like uh, record?" So we're not. Just, like, <laughs> we start all this? <laughs> yes, like we were about to get into the feels because today <sighs> is. Uh, it's hard for me to say it, but it's the last episode we will be comparing. The Lord of the Rings books to the Peter Jackson movies, um, which means we're covering Homeward Bound, The Scouring of the Shire, and The Grey Havens. Um, and if, uh, you know, I'm being honest, only The Grey Havens is included in the movies from this point forward, um, which if you're following along in the movie, that's three hours, 47 minutes, 47 seconds in until the end card, which appears at four hours, one minute, 21 seconds in. Um However, that absolutely means that we're going to do some backtracking to talk about what happens to our brave <laughs> hobbits in between leaving Rivendell and Sam getting married. Um, but yeah, uh, before we get into it, Lauren, I want to everyone to make sure that they are double, triple checking that they are following you. Um, you know, nobody has to do that. <laughs> they do. They absolutely. If you don't follow Lauren, do you can't yourself, listen to this like, anymore. <laughs> do yourself a favor and follow Lauren does cosplay. Oh, well, thank you. I'm yeah. Lauren does cosplay on TikTok and Instagram. L does cosplay on Twitter because Lauren does cosplay was too long. I'm I know Tolkien with friends was too long. I had to put Tolkien friends. Oh, that's, I, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do like cosplay content and kind of just given my thoughts on nerdy stuff lord of the rings game of thrones star wars sort of those are my top three so yeah i mean all great takes truly <laughs> i feel like i kind of have some outlandish takes actually i get a, i get a little bit of heat online for like doesn't mean it's not the great. best ones <laughs> yes we are here for those yeah <laughs> like quite frankly i was a little bit nervous when you asked me to do like like this segment because I don't really like the scouring of the Shire. I think it's, interesting. I don't like it, and I'm glad that it's not in the movies. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and that's and that's one thing that I really did want to talk about because when you, it comes to about thinking about this movie as an adaptation, like I think the end is perfect like mm-hmm. of the movie like i would not change it like mm-hmm. it, from my perspective like frodo's finally acting like frodo mm-hmm. gandalf makes me ball like a baby <laughs> sam, sam delivers those final lines perfectly just oh, like yeah. he does in the book like it, it mm-hmm. i think it beautifully captures everything that happens once the shire is healed yeah. um and it's just like the most important emotional yeah. notes because, like, Absolutely. I feel like, I mean, uh, sorry, I don't know how you're structuring this, but I just no, feel go like for it. the way that they, you know, there's this big epic journey and they all get home. And then for it to be like this 
extra added little nightmare for them is like I feel <laughs> like narratively just really does not work for me so like mm. I really appreciate that the adapt adaptation did not do that and that it does just sort of it gives you all of the neat little wrap-ups and I know some say too long that has been a note that's been it could have gone on longer I, <laughs> I know it's like I have no notes from me personally <laughs> yeah honestly you could have given me like Sam plant it replanting the Shire and like you could have given me Sam being mayor and Mary and Pippin you know because like afterwards they kind of become like these uh like everyone looks at them really admirably and they, they mm -hmm. still wear their like Gondorian and Rohirrim like outfits around mm -hmm. and people are like oh man they're the best um I would have watched that, you know. Yeah. Um, Sam having his first child. I, I would have honestly. It could be a whole mini series about Sam. <laughs> it could, yeah, that's a, it's just a spinoff, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I would have. I mean, I would have eaten that all up. I love Sean Astin. Yeah. Uh, if we had gotten a, you know, Bill the Pony and Samwise reunion, <gasps> I would not have been mad. That is one thing that I will say about. So okay, so maybe let's back up a little bit because when um so if you are only a fan of the movies which we it's fine like we've said that time and again that it's fine and normal and dandy mm -hmm. um but i but because you're listening to this i am going to tell you about what happens <laughs> in between um our hob on our hobbit's journey home and and what happens after they get there and so you know when we st if you start this scene in the movie it's Frodo narrating and it's showing the sweeping shot of Middle Earth map and it basically covers the area that they would have traveled on which I thought was really clever you know it, it goes up the Misty Mountains past Rivendell past Weathertop and then all the way back to the Shire which I think is a really good way to do it but one thing that I do like about these final three chapters is the way that they sort of bookend the story so like in the beginning we start out in the shire and things start to get spicy as soon as we leave it right like with the with nazgul hot on our tail the whole thing with the you know old man willow and um the barrow whites and all of that and then with things really getting real by the time we make it to brie you know mm -hmm. we've got Aragorn being acting real sus and we've got like the Nazgul are back and we've got like Bill Fernie and people being weird um but with the book it, it the reverse kind of happens we've got we've seen our hobbits save the world right Sauron is gone Aragorn is king they have a relatively chill time making it back to Rivendell um <laughs> But then we see the action pick up again once our heroes get to Bree. And it's kind of like, to me, it's just kind of saying, like, the war is won, but for our hobbits, there's a little bit more work to do. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it kind of just puts a button on the fact that they've all grown so much. Yeah. Um, so, so we've got Gandalf, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin all arriving in Bree to find that things are not as they left it. Right? So if we remember oh, our friend, mm -hmm. what, Callie? Not a warm, not a warm homecoming. No, it's no. not. <laughs> it's like reserved. rainy. The, the gates are shut. Um, and they have to like bang on the, the door for a really long time before someone will answer it. And we've got our friend, Barlam and Butterbur, the owner of the Prancing Pony, 
tells us that things are far from well, you know, in his perspective, not only are is business abysmal, but there are <laughs> robbers on the road now. Mm-hmm. Some folks have even been killed. You know, there's been fighting breaking out. And but I think my, from from my perspective, my favorite part of this chapter, Homeward Bound, is Butterbur admitting that they didn't really understand what the Rangers were doing until they were gone. Mm. In actually, in like reality, I don't know if they would have ever pieced it together that the Rangers had anything to do with the protection that they were receiving. Uh. But I do like, I just love the way that he talks. And he says, you see, we're not used to such troubles. And the Rangers have all gone away, folk tell me. I don't think we've rightly understood till now what they did for us. For there's been worse than robbers about Wolves were howling around the fences last year, and there's dark shapes in the woods, dreadful things that it makes the blood run cold to think of. It's mm-hmm. been very disturbing, if you understand me. Yeah, they're, they're like so far removed from like everything that's been happening. Mm-hmm. It's like almost comical that they're like, what's going on? Like, why? Why, yeah. are they here? why did they leave? Like, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, it's. All, our little party shows up, and they're like, bent out of hell like <laughs> been through this whole thing and they have to you know and you see I know. in the movie too them just like coming back to this place that's like no one knows where they've been and no one really gives a shit quite frankly no, no one cares, cares. yeah no like okay <laughs> yeah they're like yeah sure okay didn't expect well, you back but all right <laughs> yeah but as per hobbit they'll just keep keep on and keeping on mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of speaks to, like, Gandalf kind of thinks it's, like, funny. I feel like the way that <laughs> Butterbur acts, you know, he's like, well, um, you know, he's like, well, I'm sure, like, he's like, well, you know, the king has come again, so, like, things are about to chill out, like, don't mm-hmm. worry. Um, and then also talks about how there have been a lot more, the Greenway, or, like, the road from the south that used to be, like, not traveled at all has seen a lot more action mm-hmm. during this time. And it's crazy to think, like, okay, so our fellowship set out last fall. As of now, they, they reach Bree around, like, in October. So, like, similar time to when they were in Rivendell before. It's only mm-hmm. been a year. And it's just, like, the chaos that has ensued in this part of the world. I mean, it's not really that chaotic, but it, it, it was like kind of a slow burn, but relatively fast, I would say in terms of like Hobbit stuff that happens. Yeah. We're um, in a place where like nothing ever happens ever. I'm sure even just like a little bit of, it's like when you live in a small town and it's like when one little thing happens and just like, Everybody knows about it. It's everybody's business and everyone's exactly. talking about it for like six months. <laughs> it's so true. That is so Brie. And I feel because like, it's like it's a couple of towns right there. I mean, there's like Atchet and whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but they're all kind of like centralized and they all kind of know each other's business. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting just to think about like Butterbur is kind of lamenting the fact that they're not like isolated anymore. And they're not even as isolated as the Shire was or is you know yeah so so is it's it's interesting but Gandalf makes him feel better saying that the rangers have returned and there's a king and you know it it takes Butterbur a minute to realize that that he is makes Aragorn. him guess he's like he can't go can't you just come out and say it man like, <laughs> he's like oh but he knows this place. Oh, he knows this place. Yeah, he's been here. He's, he's been like, here. <laughs> he's like, who are you talking about? And they're like, 
King Strider. <laughs> King Strider, yeah. King Strider, yeah. So he, you know, basically Gandalf was like, yeah, he's going to leave you alone because he likes this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Butterbur's like, all right, that's chill. But before they go, Butterbur makes sure that to give them a word of warning that not all is well in the Shire either, if what he's heard is true. Spoiler alert. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about, and there's so many little callbacks in this mo- in the, in Brie, like we find out that Bill the Pony is there and that like, so Sam gets reunited with his pony boy and that's mm-hmm. so cute. So- um, <laughs> and we also see Sam, he immediately call- recalls the vision from the mirror of Galadriel mm-hmm. when Butterbur is like, hey, things aren't well. And he's like, oh my God, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. And, it, and you know, Gandalf reminds them about Saruman's potential for mischief. Um, and he says he began to take an interest in the Shire before Mordor did. And, you know, we, we know that Saruman has been getting his pipe weed from the Shire for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that it was only a couple of months ago that we saw Saruman on the road. But mm-hmm. Gandalf seems to know that something has been up for a while. And I'm like, how long did you know this? And when were you going to say something? (laughs) Yeah. And why did you leave it to the hobbits to figure out? Yeah. He was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to fight this war first and then we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. And he even like, even at the end of the chapter when he, when they're like parting with Gandalf and he's like, you got to sort your own shit out little fellas and he just yeah. leaves it's like okay, yeah maybe he's like i'm gonna go have tea longer. with with tom bombadil yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you help like god because and frodo was literally like oh man i'd like to see him again he's like no you yeah. definitely have stuff to do <laughs> like, <Yeah. sighs> like wow gandalf all right um because because I, I love this because at that moment that he's like all right peace Go, you gotta get back there before the gates are locked. And Mary's like, but there there aren't any gates. Yeah, he's like, what's that now? Hmm? He's like, I think there are. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just like, Gandalf, how did you know that? That's a very specific detail. Like, yeah, and to like not mention it. Where are you getting this news? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe from the Eagles. I don't know. They probably had like a nice chat from the black gate That's to come back. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who else would have known that. I don't I don't know what the Eagles are up to in between now and then, but still. That's my guess. Yeah. But it's still very like Gandalf, I feel like you're very aware. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping a little too much to yourself around these parts. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um it's at this point that we've got the scouring of the Shire. Um, and our, and we're, and, you know, Mary and Pippin kind of pointed out that it's the four hobbits who started on this journey together. And it's again, kind of that bookend kind of feel where it's, we're back where we started, but things aren't quite the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is who, you know, and our four hobbits in their, I mean, they, they've just changed so much and so is the Shire in this time, but they're the ones that kind of lead this last battle of the War of the Ring. Mm-hmm. But before that happens, you know, our hobbits discover that in addition to a new gate, the Shire has many more rules and is like really lacking in pipeweed and inns and beer and all mm-hmm. the good things. All that the they- luxuries of being a hobbit. 
Yeah, exactly. Like Sam says, no welcome, no beer, no smoke, and a lot of rules and orc talk instead. <laughs> I hope to have a rest, but I can see there's work and trouble ahead. And boy, was he right. Yeah. See, I just think that's such a bummer. <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I like I- when Sam said, if I hear not aloud much yeah. oftener, I'm going to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> I identified hard with that line. <laughs> yeah, no, I, just, I just imagine being like, seriously? Because one yeah. thing that I do love is that like our hobbits have always been kind of, uh, they're not necessarily leading the charge in any of the other things that we've seen. You know, I mean, I they encourage Treebeard. They do get to Mount Doom, but like as far as like the big um of you know world changing moments it's like you know those big battles and stuff they're always just kind of there and they're helping but it's you know there's just so much chaos that they're easy to be overlooked in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um and really they're only noticed because like the important people know to look out for them and know that they're there yeah but in here is really like their time to shine in a lot of ways like as soon as they're met with this gate they're like bullshit yeah like (laughs) yeah they're the one they're like hot shit when they roll up they're like we're gonna have to fight them and like yeah like kind of convenient but we'll do it (laughs) yeah like mary pippin are like boom sword time (laughs) and frodo's really the only one that never pulls out a weapon during Mm -hmm. all of this and he i mean you can see how fundamentally frodo has changed because one thing that we have talked about through these many months is how frodo is pretty different in Mm -hmm. in the books and the movies and there's been so many times especially in fellowship when he was kind of in these moments like of being cornered like i mean he's the one that tries to stab the witch king first you mm-hmm. know and there's all and he stands up to the school at the ford of the bruin and and you know he is the one he kind of like threatens Gollum when he uh, you know, has Sam in his clutches and stuff. And there's like so many moments where Frodo has really stepped up, I think. And then here, and or he's taken a more like aggressive uh, stance. Yeah, he, you know, he has, he's been a fighter mm-hmm. in, in so many ways, right? Like mentally and physically and emotionally, I think he, he's been fighting. And now he doesn't really have that fight in him anymore, but yeah. he is still very much a leader. So, he kind of sets some ground rules for our other hobbits as far as like, he's like, because basically he's like, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want you to kill it. Nobody's killing anybody. And then it's killing hobbits. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. that's where he draws the line because the guys are like, well, the men probably aren't going to like, yeah. <laughs> let us not fight them. And he's yeah. like, all right, well, at the very least, like you cannot kill any hobbits. Like mm-hmm. even if they've gone over to the you know other side or whatever, that's, that's not what we're about. That's mm-hmm. never what who we've been. We're not going there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I just think it's so interesting to see Frodo's full arc come together here. And he, I mean, and everybody has really changed as a person, but I think it's like Frodo has probably grown the most in wisdom, I would say. Yeah. And he he definitely has the most introspection on that change within himself. Like he says mm-hmm. it many times, like I'm not the same. Like I have wounds that will never heal, and that's yeah. not just like you know he he feels it especially from his weathertop injury. But like he knows in himself that like 
the wounds are deeper than just like <laughs> the wounds of the flesh in his yes 100 percent. and it's like Ooh, I'm not gonna go there yet because I'll start crying. Um, but loving the other three, just like tearing down signs, breaking the rules, being all assertive, like loving Ain't that. Ain't nobody telling our hobbit shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, I mean, I love the part where they're like the the sheriffs. So in this scenario, not only are there a lot of rules, there's more law enforcement, mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of hobbits that have taken on. So previously. Once upon a time, maybe in like our second episode, we talked about how the hobbits don't really have like much of a government. They have mailmen and they have sheriffs who are like the police, but they just kind of like mind. They used to just mind the borders and were kind of few and far between. But now there's a ton of them and they're all under these very strict rules. And some like I would say the minority are the ones that are hopped up on power. And that's why they took it up. But a lot of them, they were just like, you know, felt like they should or had to in whatever case um, but most of them come back pretty easily to to our friends but they've got all these rules and at one point one of the like lead sheriffs uh, when Frodo kind of is like refusing to acknowledge his arrest he's like you know he's like hey we're gonna keep going and he's like all right well don't forget that I've arrested you. And he's like, yeah. and he's like, I won't. He's like, I won't, but I may forgive you. And I'm like, Ooh. yeah. I'm like, okay, Proto. Like, he's not like fighting anybody, but he will cut you like a knife with those words. So, so I think, so with all of that, so there's all this craziness happening they're like having to stand up to their friends basically people that they never expected to have to like rally you know mm -hmm. um and we find out that you know there have been strange men now in the shire and they're forcing hobbits to give them all their provisions and even destroying property and and basically squashing any signs of rebellion like we've seen notes like even lobelia has stood up to these guys and has been thrown in jail oh yeah <laughs> i mean, her umbrella or something what like a, that? yes yeah. what a whipper <laughs> love and that for her <laughs> i know i do too and it's like so basically it's only ever been like one or two hobbits at a time and so they haven't really been organizing and we hear from Farmer Cotton, Rosie's dad, um, on how things kind of got this way. So Lotho Sackville Baggins, son of Otho and Lobelia, which I just realized that Lotho is just combining their two names. <laughs> yeah. It's just Lobelia and Otho's. <laughs> yeah, They're not the most them. creative hobbits, yeah. I'll say. <laughs> so, but Lotho it seems to be Saruman's first victim because... Um, he, he basically, he, we, we basically, we can piece together that he has been the one selling a lot of this pipe weed to Saruman mm -hmm. and Saruman is, he's suddenly come into all this money and he'd already owned a lot of the South Bar thing, but then he starts buying lots of other property, you know, Sandy Man's mill, he's buying all the inns and then saying that he doesn't like beer. And so that nobody can have any beer, even oh, though like landlord, yeah, even though the men are obviously drinking the beer. And then, and he's, you know, he's buying farms and they're buying like weed, like pipe weed plantations and stuff. And, and it sounds like Lotho has 
really, I mean, obviously that's where Saruman's been getting his pipe weed, but that he has come under Saruman's influence probably before anyone else. And, you know, at first when they would, he would hire the, I don't even know if he would hire these men. I'm assuming, I don't know why else they would show up, but like, and I'm, they're definitely Saruman's men because they call him Sharky. Mm-hmm. And um, cracks me up personally. I, I know. <laughs> and, and, well, later, uh, Saruman tries to guess that it's like a term of endearment, and it means old man. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> yeah, that little footnote, or she's like, yes, the best footnote. <laughs> um, so they're like, you know, messing things up, and at first, Lotho would like repay, like pay people back for the property that was damaged, but then it just reaches a whole new level where I, and Frodo rightly guesses that Lotho kind of becomes a prisoner in his own home, and you know, things just go haywire. They they chop down the party tree, oh, you know, they're just they're building all these sheds, and like all the gardens are just gone to shit. It's like not great. Um, <laughs> And, you know, we've got all this chaos. And so Frodo, Sam, Merry and Pippin, they work to rally the rest of the hobbits and defeat the men. And, you know, Frodo never picks up a sword during all of this, like they said, and really tries to avoid killing. I mean, the hobbits do come out on top, but with not without a few uh, fatalities. Um, yeah, I think it's like and- 19, 19 hobbits. Yes, it's not a ton, but it's not what we wanted, though. Yeah. Um, But really, I think one of the key parts of this chapter, in addition to, you know, Frodo, Sam, Mary, and Pippin kind of leading the charge and really showing their leadership skills, is um, Saruman's return. So... Now, I feel like it's so weird. I'm just, I'm telling you, this chapter just doesn't sit right with me. (laughs) Like, picturing Saruman just, like, in a hobbit hole or, like... Giant Saruman in a tiny hobbit hole. Yeah, well, he comes out of a shed. Yeah, it's like, what are are you doing here? Get out. Get out of here. Yeah, it is is weird. I mean, it just, I think it just shows how far this guy has fallen Mm -hmm. from being one of Gandalf's colleagues to... Literally, Astari, Amayar, my gosh. <laughs> like, like, dude, was, like, I think I could probably pick on the hobbits pretty easily. I'll just go yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it's just so crazy to think about how he was one of the people that was supposed to lead Middle-earth in the fight against Sauron. He ends mm-hmm. up, you know, aligning himself with Sauron and dreaming he can probably be better than Sauron. And then... When, as soon as all of his plans fall apart, he still can't, he can't just accept it, right? He has mm-hmm. to keep finding someone else to pick on. Yeah. And unfortunately, the last group he has are the Hobbits. Yeah, and you know, I will say that I it's a, it's a crime that his plot line is not resolved in the theatrical versions of the movie. Yes. So, like, mm-hmm. I at least like that they're I, I, even though it's so like out of place and odd to me, but like I do appreciate that there is like a wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> of, like, I think story. at the very least, like uh, it bothers me a that that whole scene at Orthanc is an extended edition only. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so unfair to Christopher Lee. Yeah, and and then it, when we knew it was only going to be extended, I think it should have been longer. 
Yeah, I, might as well. It's like whatever. <laughs> I'm like his his lines are so good. Yeah, and like he delivers them so well. I just think that, and also like I don't know the whole thing with Wormtongue and Saruman. It doesn't really get I think the screen time that it deserved really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so weird. odd, like as a viewer, to just not explain. You know, because I mean. A lot of casual viewers haven't mm-hmm. seen uh, the extended edition, so it's like to them, exactly. it's just like, I wonder what happened to that like main yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, like the only thing we get is the filth of Saruman is washing away, and it's yeah. just implied that he's imprisoned in like, Rothank. Okay, but like where? Oh, that's where we leave him in the in the not theatrical. In yeah, the, yeah. It just like shows him like up on his balcony, and he's like stuck there it's like yeah oh. that's the last time we and i think that's in two towers like we, is, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't even get any face time in return of the king mm-hmm. if you've only seen the theatrical edition yeah which is why we did not talk about the theatrical edition because then i would have a lot we <laughs> wouldn't have as much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and i love christopher lee Saruman. yeah it's fantastic i love him so yeah. like when he and, you know, we talked about how when they met him on the road and he was sassy to Gandalf Galadriel <laughs> and the Fro- and Merry and Pippin and all of that. But then here, now he really is, he's um, duking it out with Frodo in words mostly. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Frodo realizes that it's Saruman behind all of this, he's like, Frodo says, but I might have guessed a little mischief in a mean way. Gandalf warned me that you were still capable of it. And I feel like Saruman is almost finding a little bit of like glee in this moment. Like he's like quite capable and more than a little. I'm just like, okay. (laughs) I just, I just can hear, I can so see Christopher Lee doing this because he says, you made me laugh, you hobbit lordlings, riding along with all those great people, so secure and so pleased with your little selves. You thought you had done very well out of it all, and you could now just amble back and have a nice, quiet time in the country. I'm like, this is where they live, dude. They're not yeah. going on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saruman's home could be all wrecked, still centering himself. I think we'll see a common theme with some things that we see. <laughs> Um, it could be all wrecked and he could be turned out, but no one could touch yours. Oh no, Gandalf would look after your affairs. And he goes on to say that he would have caused more trouble with more time and more men, but still, Mm. I have already done much that you will find it hard to mend or undo in your lives. I'm like, it's so, it's like, so mean. (laughs) I'm just like, you're so, so petty. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, he can't stop thinking about himself for one second Mm -hmm. like that alone would kill him you know um and but what i love about that line is that he obviously doesn't know about galadriel's gift to sam Mm. um but we'll we'll get to that in a second um so now saruman acts like he's gonna go with just a few mean words you know and Mm -hmm. he yells at wormtongue to come with him um, but before he does, he tries to stab Frodo. Frodo. Dude. <laughs> and it's just like, it's, uh, he just can't stop himself. Like, this man needs a straight jacket. Like, <laughs> stop. Oh, and, but luckily, the blade snapped because of Frodo's hidden male coat. And I did think it was interesting that Frodo doesn't, spe- or Tolkien doesn't specifically say that Frodo is wearing the mithril coat. Mm-hmm. He says hidden male coat. I'm like, is it just 
any it's old the shiny shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Hands off that shiny shirt. <laughs> this is for the tower. <laughs> Why are the orcs so iconic? Uh, nothing but banger one liners. They're so quotable. <laughs> So, so Frodo's got his shirt on and everything works out. Sam draws his sword, but Frodo's like, no, Sam, do not kill him, even now, for the, he has not hurt me. And in any case, I do not wish him to be slain in this evil mood. He was great once, of a noble kind that we should not dare to raise our hands against. He has fallen and his cure is beyond us, but I would still spare him in the hope that he may find it. And this like enrages Saruman even more than I think anything he could have said. And he's, you know, at first he's like, it almost like, it's like a backhanded compliment. He's like, you have grown halfling. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have grown very much. You are wise and cruel. You have robbed my revenge of sweetness. And now I must go hence in bitterness, in debt to your mercy. I hate it and you. Well, I go and I will trouble you no more, but do not expect me to wish you health and long life. You will have neither. But this is not my doing. I merely foretell. And I'm like, just fold your hand. Like, I know. <laughs> yeah, Frodo has more restraint than I, I do, because I wouldn't... All of that is a no-go for me. I know. I'm just like, wow, Saruman. Like, you definitely get worse and worse. Like, I think his lines are always so interesting and fun to say, but, like, he just gets worse and worse every time yeah. he opens his mouth. Because, yeah, I mean, it's really just, like, the word choice. It's the worst note. <laughs> the the worst because mm. here you know it's like the hobbits don't even really do much for saruman but really his undoing is when he taunts wormtongue mm -hmm. after frodo tells wormtongue that he can stay and basically forces wormtongue to admit that he's the one that killed Lotho, but mm. obviously at saruman's command and i don't think frodo would have held that against him he was obviously like wormtongue wasn't doing so hot you know yeah um, and but this it, making him admit that really makes Wormtongue snap, mm -hmm. and suddenly he rises up, drawing a hidden knife because everybody got a hidden knife in this scene, <laughs> as you do, as you do. And then with a snarl like a dog, he sprang on Saruman's back, jerked his head back, and cut his throat, which goes hard, honestly. That um, is gnarly. <laughs> Given like, the that is side difference, yeah. 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 That's a big move. Yeah, he like he's like becomes like an animal at yeah. that moment. And it's much I mean, that is much more intense than the stabbing in the back that we get in the oh, extended yeah. scene. You know? Yeah. I I know that uh Peter Jackson was uh, averse to showing any blood, but could you imagine <laughs> if they had just done a full like you know, when Anna was on the podcast, um, my BFF, who, assuming she's, I don't know if she listens to this, but she used to be on it, but now she had a baby, and, but she, w she lived for these kinds of changes, like, spooky shit, so, like, I feel like there are so many things about Lord of the Rings, I'm like, you could easily make this, like, rated oh, R. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's moments like that where it's like, oh, God, Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like a big horror person. Like I love horror movies. I like really fucked up shit. So it's like that to me is the kind of thing. It's like do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I want to see it. 
<laughs> yeah, absolute chaos. Um, and you know, of course, like now the hobbits are like witnessing a murder, and so they they shoot him before Frodo can say anything, and that is the end That's of it. Saruman and Wormtongue. I mean, there is like a weird scene where like a mist rises up over Saruman's body, and like the yeah. skin shrinks. It's giving me very like. What is that Raiders of the Lost Ark? Where he just kind of like <laughs> shrivels up. Yeah, um, shriveled face became rags of skin upon a hideous skull. Like, damn. Yeah. It gets weird. <laughs> it gets <laughs> weird for a minute there. there. The <laughs> and then it like immediately after this, we we get the Grey Havens, um, which this whole chapter is really focusing on like the rebuilding of the Shire. We see you know, Mary and Pippin kind of come into their own as, you know, really like the protectors of the realm in a lot of ways. And then we've mm -hmm. got Sam using his gift. So if, if everyone recalls, um, Galadriel, it's basically like dirt and one large seed. And uh, basically Sam takes this gift and he plants, he plants like regular saplings and flowers and things and uh puts a, a speck of the precious dust in the soil at the root of each and he plants the seed which turns out to be a malorn seed which are the trees from Lothlorien mm -hmm. um in the place of the party tree and it I do think this part's really sweet where they talk about how um the hobbits don't have to wait very long for this to start working mm -hmm. um obviously Galadriel's put some magic in this dirt and just, you know, the, the trees begin to sprout and grow as if time was in a hurry and wished to make one year due for 20. So, you know, at the time of all of this, it's, you know, they get to the Shire in November. I'm not sure exactly when Sam starts planting, but by April, we've, we've got a Malorn sapling, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, and, you know, this is also where we learn that Sam and Rosie get married and they come to live in Bag End with Frodo. I know in the movies they give um, Sam and Rosie their own little hobbit hole with a yellow door. Mm -hmm. Which I do love the yellow door. I love the yellow door. <laughs> that would be my door of choice color. I think it goes really nicely with the green of the grass. Mm -hmm. You know? It stands it out. Yeah. But he does live in Bag End with Frodo and you know, Rosie and Sam have their first child, Eleanor, named, again, we've got another Lothlorien reference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, Lauren, you touched on this earlier about how Frodo has pains at mm -hmm. certain times of the year. And, like, I remembered Weathertop, like, he points out when he is, you know, he remembers that being stabbed by the Witch King in October. But he also feels sick when the anniversary uh when the ring was destroyed mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is march 25th which also happens to be eleanor's birthday Ooh. i know well, I, I was like that yeah i was like oh oh so uncle frodo okay. misses like all her parties oh, probably yeah he definitely <laughs> miss, he, it, it says that he, it says that he tries to like hide how sick he feels that day because Aww. obviously sam was busy and I just, I do think Sam would have picked Frodo over the birth of his child if Frodo had let on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> so, I mean, and this is kind of where we finally get it syncing back up with the films um, where, you know, we see Frodo hand over the book to Sam mm -hmm. for him to finish. 
um, we, I know, I know, yeah, I mean, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, but, like, when I was reading this last part of the book, I didn't even take any notes, I was just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's there's just a beautiful, it is a beautiful conclusion, it's yeah. so beautiful, and it's just like we see um so sam has really started his life anew you know he's got a little family now he you know basically has everything he's ever wanted i mean he's mayor not that he ever wanted to be mayor but you know what i mean like he's loved and appreciated by the whole shire and i think he deserves that and frodo during all this time is kind of fading into the background like nobody's talking nobody cares that what frodo's role was like they're really impressed by mary and pippin they all love sam i think it's because of like the role that he took on you know as really being a healer for the shire mm-hmm. and frodo's just kind of like fading into the background and and i think that that you know it probably suits frodo at this point in his life but it 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 is ringing it's a little bittersweet right yeah um but finally we have frodo taking his last trip in middle earth with sam (laughs) 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 so that's probably gonna be a loud spike in the the audio (laughs) (laughs) but so on the way we so where um in the movies we have gandalf ride up with the covered wagon that's like got Bilbo in it and then Frodo mm-hmm. hangs out inside. Um, and you see like, you see the horses for Merry and Pippin like with them. We, you know, it's like a big caravan together, but the slight difference is that uh, as you recall, like Elrond told Frodo to look out for Bilbo in the fall of the coming year, you know? And mm-hmm. so Frodo makes plans to go. Sam goes with him and he, they run into not only Bilbo, but Elrond and Galadriel, and I think Gildor is even there. It's just like a last troop of elves heading out. Um, and this is the point when Sam realizes where they're going mm-hmm. and that he can't come. And Frodo tells him, like, no, Sam, not yet anyway, yeah. not further than the Havens, though you too were a ring bearer, if only for a little while. Your time may come. Do not be too sad, Sam. You cannot always be torn in two. Ooh, I can't read the rest of it. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> uh, but I, I mean, I love this because they do keep this in the movie. The You will have to be one and whole for many years. You have mm-hmm. so much to enjoy and to be and to do. And Elijah Wood's delivery, I know it, they... They use it in a different point in the movie. They do it right at the end when he's like walking up to his home after seeing Frodo leave. Mm-hmm. And I it's delivered so perfectly. Like Elijah Wood does the damn thing, you oh, know? Yeah. And I love how at the end he you can see like the contentment on his face. Like obviously everyone is it's such like a heartbreaking farewell, but he has this piece of like yes knowing that he'll have relief from like this pain that he's been feeling for so many years and i know it's like like, i think that was a beautiful bit of like make a costume i don't know who's in charge of that but like from so you see frodo and he's clearly you know he's not covered in dirt anymore and like in the movie he's he looks better but he has this just like tiredness around his eyes and like his eyes are like there's bags and it's slightly red and and that's true 
you know, they're all crying at the end. I mean, Frodo not as much because he's like kind of coming yeah. to terms with it, but he still has that look, you know. And then as soon as he turns around and looks at them from the ship, he looks like a newborn baby. Like he mm-hmm. looks so fresh and like rested yeah. that I mean, it, I thought that was a. It's it's so subtle. Like you don't necessarily probably think about it. Like. But it has that effect of like, oh, like he, like he's is, he's gonna be okay again. Like, yeah, exactly. Making me a little bit teary eyed thinking about that I, whole. They're all just. So I'm crazy. this close, man, to just. <laughs> I'm I'm about to lose it, and what what really does it for me is like when so Gandalf is there, and in my notes I wrote iconic, devastating beautiful like <laughs> that lady Gaga scene or that yeah. he's like wonderful amazing never been done before yes <laughs> that's awesome. yeah that's this because when Gandalf turns to them and he you know in the I, I kind of like the movie version better because he says farewell my brave hobbits mm. and in right before he says the rest of it but in the book it's well here at last dear friends on the shores of the sea because comes the end of our fellowship in middle earth go in peace i will not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil that gets me almost every time like and i'm like okay <laughs> let it out yeah <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, our kind of our last like callback moment is it, it talks about Frodo's vision at, from when he or his dream that he had when he was at Tom Bombadil's house and how it, it basically comes true. You know, it says um, that the, you know, the ship sails away and out of the high sea passed into the west until at last on a night of rain, Frodo smelled a fr- sweet fragrance on the air and heard the sound of singing that came over the water. And then it seemed to him that as in his dream in the house of Bombadil, the gray rain curtain turned all to silver glass and was rolled back and be- he beheld white shores and beyond them a far green country under a swift sunrise. And now movie only fans will recognize those lines from Gandalf yeah, in earlier and when he's trying to reassure Pippin mm-hmm. when Pippin believes they're about to die um, and I love that I love that it gets airtime. Yeah. Um, and they don't obviously show Frodo going all the way to Valinor in the in the movie but what I do love about that scene is as the ship sails away into the sunset Sam is the last one to look away mm-hmm. Mary and Pippin are like alright let's go and yeah Sam has a hard time turning away. Yeah, I have in my notes at this section, darn you into the West. (laughs) (laughs) But but can we talk a minute about the effect of the music? Like, Uh, we have, we've mentioned it a few times, like, there are certain themes that it's like, there's so many songs and, and motifs and everything that are really, I mean, this feels like a once in a lifetime kind of moment where it's like how I don't expect Howard Shore to ever like outdo himself. Do you know what I mean? Like it was beyond, I mean like that is a stroke of inspiration that I, it's beautiful. And, and I think that um, we've, we've heard the into the West, you know, kind of melody a, a few times in the, 
in the movie, but then when it f- goes fully into like Annie Lennox singing Ugh. in the credits, yeah, it is a beautiful song. And th- then this is a song that I, I mean, I've always loved it. I've, I've loved pretty much all of the end credit songs that they do for these movies, but like this one in particular, like as I get older, like the harder it hits, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it just, it just has a a power and a grandeur and having like the the lyrics like you said like that motif is played throughout the films but having like the words and what she's saying and it's like in this moment where everyone's saying goodbye and it feels like we're saying goodbye to the characters and it's just like <laughs> I mean it's it's just so it's so beautifully done like you can see the inspiration from this particular scene of course mm-hmm. you know with the white shores and all to silver glass but like even like the you can see them like kind of really dealing with a lot of like because one of Tolkien's themes is death like he says it himself you know mm-hmm. and and also the the white shore like the seagulls calling I mean that is comes across all the time in the books yeah. but the movies don't really touch on that but this is their moment to kind of bring a lot of those like beautiful imagery and really like bittersweet imagery mm-hmm. together to write this song and I know like if you've watched the extra like extended edition appendices like it, it, it was really hard for them to write this yeah. song and and it wasn't until you know that young filmmaker passed away from cancer that they were able to like get there emotionally yeah feel know? what they needed to feel to to write it yeah and it's just like it's a tearjerker that's it for is sure a tearjerker. <laughs> i know i'm like oh i'm like some more um emotional like talking about it than i thought i would be <laughs> You know, for someone who's seen uh, these movies, not an exaggeration, probably like five hundred times. It's like, yeah, am I mm. am I such a little bitch that I can't even think about this stupid movie without crying? You know what? Emotions <laughs> are our strength, time. Lauren. Our emotions <laughs> are where we draw our power. <laughs> but a cool moment that we didn't actually talk about was the revealing of the rings. <gasps> it's so end. true. I actually wanted you to bring that up specifically. I was hoping oh, that yeah. you. Would. <laughs> Look at our mind meld happening. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so as they're leaving um the you know, the havens, now that everything's kind of over, the elves can wear and Gandalf can wear their rings openly. So we do get it mentioned um in the books and the movies, we get to see them as well. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, that's one thing that we talked about it way back in Lothlorien where um Galadriel is is wearing it but no one can see it except mm. for Frodo because mm-hmm. he was a ring bearer and Sam is like I don't know like yeah a star yeah, yeah he, <laughs> a star between your fingers he like yeah. couldn't see what it is so finally we see a description of what these rings look like and it's so interesting because they have I mean they have such a long history and they've been a part of this tale as we will see in Rings of Power eventually like for thousands of years, you know. And uh do you want me to read the description here for anybody who may not know? So we've got Elrond um wearing Vilya, which is a ring of gold with a great blue stone, mightiest of the three, it says. Um doesn't say in what way or how or way they just mightiest. Um, and Galadriel is wearing um, 
her on her finger was Nenya, the ring wrought of mithril uh, that bore a single white stone flickering like a frosty star. And then um, Elrond. So that's Elrond and Galadriel. And then we don't see Gandalf until they get to the Grey Havens, right? Because he meets them there in the book. Hmm. Are you just looking for like a like a written description? Yeah, his 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 ring is like red, right? The yeah, stone gold with the red stone. With the red stone. Yeah, <laughs> I think we both have the ring, Lord. <laughs> so I've seen it. I've seen it on your finger before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would never have a replica of anything. <laughs> so, oh, there, there we've got it. It's as he turned and came towards them, Frodo saw that Gandalf now wore openly on his hand the third ring, Narya the Great, and the stone upon it was red as fire. All right. That it is. That it is. Narya's the one that really changes hands the most. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like uh, yeah, Nenya's the only one that was given to Galadriel and stayed with Galadriel, Mm. right? Because like it was, who got it first? Because I know Círdan he doesn't have it first. Gil Gil Galad got them first. Okay, and then he gets, and then Círdan, and then Círdan gives it to Gandalf. Yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, these. Chapters, I mean, they don't, they're not, like, packed full of a lot of um, events, really. I mean, there are a lot more in the appendices, which I, you know, when the movies have used them, we've talked about it, but it hasn't been that much. Um, But there is a a ton there, including, like, you can even map out when Saruman started to turn evil and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, I mean, these are probably the most emotional chapters that we get, you know? Yeah, they're incredibly... (laughs) Yeah, especially I think especially this last chapter is very sad and has a lot of emotional moments in it. Don't cry. Cry. I said that that last thing really confidently, and now I don't know why I did. I don't know if Gilgalad actually ever had had them. He had him, but Kelebrimor definitely doesn't keep him. (laughs) Now I'm confused, and now... Uh No, I think you're right. (laughs) No, I think that's right. There are just some things that are, like, in my mind, and I'm like, I don't question them, and then when I say them out loud, I question them, and then I'm like, oh, but you know, you're like, hang on, I might have just lied. (laughs) (laughs) But, see, this is the difference between toxic Tolkien fans and us because a, a toxic one will just stick their heels in and be like yeah i'm right and they'll never google it they'll never look it up they just believe in their con- in their con- they're set that that is yeah. correct um but I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're right and if you're not <laughs> you can suck my dick okay, I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> you can right or wrong so yeah exactly <laughs> for yourself <laughs> honestly i don't i I don't think that the people that listen to this are that hung up on the lore. And if they are, then they don't understand what's going right. on here. They wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, so. I'm never afraid to say like, I have to look stuff up all the time. I don't, I don't have instant immediate recall of all this stuff, but that doesn't I mean, I really that. think that's specific to Nubeta. Like he yeah. is, he's wired his, differently. His brain is like crazy. How, how much he can just instantly be like, 
here's all yeah. of it. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. You just like, his eyes go upwards into his head and then he just comes <laughs> back to you for a moment. It's like he's literally checking his checking files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, we see, I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, this last one really gets me. It's, it's hard to read out loud, that's for sure. Especially, like, I cry when I just read it in my head, so. <laughs> Are you talking about the, the last line of the book? Yeah, just, like, all of it, yeah. <laughs> really. But but I do think that, you know, like, hats off to Sean Astin for, like, the last lines are Sam's, and mm-hmm. it's, well, I'm back. And, it, and I feel like there's a lot of different right ways you could read that, but the way that Sean delivers it, I think, is perfection. Like, mm-hmm. It's a little sad, but also... But he's also, like, with his family. Yeah. He's back in that, like, that sort of, like, picture-perfect Shire that he always knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely happy to be home. Yes. But then there's that added sigh of, like... You know how when you're sad and you just have to, like, you know? You should let it all out. Yeah. That's... That's the vibe to me. Yeah, he probably had a wee cry when he got yeah. inside. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it talks about how Frodo, not Frodo, he's gone, but like Mary and Pippin and Sam, they all like, you know, Gandalf is the reason that Mary and Pippin are there. And mm-hmm. he, they like tease Frodo, like, oh, you tried to give us a slip again, but this time Gandalf gave you away. Mm-hmm. And because Gandalf realizes that it would be better for sam to go back with friends and to ride home alone but they don't they're pretty much silent on their way home it's just the three of them with their thoughts and just you know having that company there but they're not really like talking about it Mm -hmm. Um, which feels very like i'm sure that that's probably how tolkien was if he was sad and around his dudes probably didn't talk about their feelings very much but but had the comfort of yeah camaraderie yeah exactly and then just the rings of power at the end here yeah basically (laughs) i mean so yeah then we're and you know and i would say like the timelines are one of my favorite things from the appendices so there's a lot of great stuff here like you see a lot more about what happens with legolas and gimli you see more with what is going on with um, mary and pippin like what they go on to do as well as sam uh, which i think is really like you know, when people try to talk like the Hobbit shouldn't be in the Rings of Power, and I'm just like, that would be a huge mistake. Because, yeah. so, I mean, there's so much that the Hobbits bring to Middle-earth that I, I feel is lacking in the Silmarillion, honestly. Yeah, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Yeah, they're... They're, they're perfect. And I mean, you learn a lot about the languages in here, which it's really funny when he puts the Hobbit stuff because he writes a lot about how the Hobbits don't really keep a lot of good records. And it's like, okay, Tolkien, but you could make that up if you wanted. Yeah, you could. Yeah, but, that was your own decision. Uh. And it's like, it goes into Hobbit, like the, the way that he created their names and how they're actually all translations and like Frodo's really name is Mora. I mean, it's this whole thing. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a little much, but if you're if you're there, <laughs> if you want it, it's there for you. You know what I mean. But, I figured your favorite uh, passage would have been, and here follows the kings and queens of Numenor. 
And oh, then they yeah. go on for a whole paragraph just to name everybody. Just That's names, I know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> this is where he, like, dips his toes into how he talks in the Silmarillion. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are the names. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and we get we do get some family trees in the back here as well, which I will never bother to memorize. <laughs> and you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, we've got, see, we've got the line of the realms in exile, so we've got the heirs of Isildur, we've got the heirs of Anadion, we've got stuff about the Dunedain, um, we get, like, the Rohirrim line, we get the line of Durin. There's, like, people don't realize how much is, is way back here. Um, and there is definitely a good chunk about the Second Age, because of how much it involves our characters from mm -hmm. the third age but then there's like a ton there's like a ton a ton of stuff that happens in the third age that is not even i mean that is tv show upon tv show in there as well yeah literally i mean there's so much tolkien did he's the king of doing too much but we all yes we we do <laughs> It's, you know, it's why we're able to talk about it for hours on end, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, okay. So, Lauren, as somebody who, especially this part, loves the, the movies mm -hmm. more than the book. And I wouldn't say that I do. I mean, like, because at the same time, this is one of the points where I finally feel like the movie does what the movie should do, mm -hmm. right? And then the book really, I mean, in Tolkien fashion, really, like, ties it all and, like, goes on for a little bit longer. And then, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it feels like I, I don't have a problem with it in the book. And I there's a lot of things that I like about it. But as far as, you know, if we just want to talk about the movies for a second and the way that this all kind of comes together, like, what are your thoughts about, I mean, the way that this story was constructed and, like, how... How well, how good of a job do you think the movie did, even in general, you know, because this is, um, oh, this is our last time to really talk mm. about the comparison. I mean, I, I lie. I, we're yeah. going to do another, we're going to do one um, <laughs> next week where we talk about uh, just like our top five or so favorite things, you know, things we didn't like, things we did. Mm -hmm. um, but we'd love to just hear your thoughts in general about like, you know, what these movies mean to you and, you know, why you love them so much. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, uh, directly comparing to, um, like, this book and the chapters that we covered, like, I think it, like I said earlier, like, perfectly captures the important moments. I'm glad that they left out the scouring of the Shire. I think, like, the movies as a whole are just, like, perfect. Literally no notes ever. Never have had any. Okay. <laughs> Never will. <laughs> like, you know, when people ask, what's your favorite movie? It's like, Return of the King. No questions, like, that has been my favorite movie since I was, uh, it came out when I was 10, I think. So, you know, I just have such a strong emotional attachment to them. And yeah. I always, I've said many times, like, when it comes to adaptations, obviously because this conversation has been very relevant with The Rings of Power coming out, like, adaptations for me just need to capture the spirit of something like yeah I do not care if it's page by page you know every word is right and like I do not care about that at all it just has mm -hmm. to have that feeling and like I think 
these movies as an adaptation of the Lord of the Rings books are like the quintessential, the perfect way adaptations should be done just in terms mm -hmm. of like it just it just they just nailed it you know the music the acting they they hit all of the important plot points and they they change it around and they just do it in a way that i just think is perfect and like with the rings of power obviously it's not all out yet but mm -hmm. the most important part to me was just like i just want to feel like i'm in middle earth again you know and same and that's it's obviously different it's a different it's someone else's inter interpretation of Middle Earth, but mm -hmm. it still feels right to me. So, you know, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it, I, I agree. I think that that is really the sniff test for an adaptation. It isn't like, what percentage of the book did they use? It's not, mm -hmm. you know, how many um, pages are seen on screen, you know? Yeah. It's like, did it capture the yeah. heart and and it's such a hard thing to measure because we all have different feelings about the books when we read them we all like it evokes different we attach ourselves to different parts of the story right yeah, absolutely. um but, but i think that the thing about the way that it was able to come together you know just thinking about and not just pj but like fran and philippa who were really the ones like writing the script yeah um and the way that they were able to balance like pj's kind of over the top inclinations yeah. uh, with you know Philippa. i mean i mean those wargs would have never made it in there without peter yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and like or like the the just like the intensity that the battles have i think that's all peter but yeah. then like these really beautiful moments that Philippa and Fran are, and I think, you know, Philippa really came on as the Lord of the Rings nerd, you know, mm -hmm. and Fran is kind of, she, she knew Lord of the Rings, but not as well as Philippa, but she, you know, was kind of able to play uh, a really important role in like, you know, bringing these, all these ideas together. Mm -hmm. And, but like some of the lines that they have, given us i mean like the speech that aragorn does about like the, to the men of the west at the end yeah. um before they attack the black gate and you know there's so many things that they've done that like or like when they constructed sam's speech obviously based was, on things that he actually says yeah but it, it expands upon that and really creates a beautiful ending to two towers that mm -hmm. you know cinematically is not there like yeah. it's constructed I mean, so differently in the yeah book. sam's speech is my favorite part of the movies like it's whenever people ask like what's your favorite Tolkien quote it's like sam's whole speech <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, i love it i mean and it's not even i guess you can't even say it's like a Tolkien quote but it's my favorite quote from the movies it's 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 scene. very much based in tolkien though there's yeah. like there's a like i love even just the behind the scenes of them talking about how they wrote it and like mm -hmm. you Me know too. they're trying to figure out how to wrap it up and when he says, what are we fighting for? You know, and it's like them coming to that and they were like, oh, we got it. Like we, we figured out like why he's saying this whole thing. It's just so good. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I mean, it's great. I mean, there are so many things that like the movies did for fans. Mm -hmm. And I just think that like, on the one hand, Peter, like this vision, right, is, is a really beautiful one. But I think that one thing that it has been hard for some to understand is that this is just a vision, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that there is 
no reason to think that like and i think some people may have thought that rings of power was going to actually be like lord of the rings a tv show but it's not right it, it, it no. is the second i think i think, I think like when it was first being talked about i think that was like an people were like oh they're making like i, I think people right. thought it was gonna be like a remake and that would have been that would have been crazy <laughs> no. but but you know just thinking about like how you know like the not just it's like the combination of things right like there's something about a visualization whether it's a movie or a tv show that gives um it's such so much poignancy to the story i i would say because there are so many things that while i love like i mean one of my very first series on tiktok was like lines from lord of the rings i wish i'd made it into the movies mm -hmm. but there are so many things where it's like the there's the erasability of the way the movie has stuck in my brain like mm -hmm. there like when like Josh and I are constantly quoting like yeah. the orcs to each other or Gimli or and things that are not in the the books at yeah. all because they're just silly and they're quick and they're fun and I think that knowing how to add that in there was I mean it was really like a skill in yeah. and of itself mm -hmm. yeah definitely and then to just, but I think what I do love about, like, I know that some people say that Return of the King has too many endings, but, like, that's oh, not, yeah, that's not true at all. Like, <laughs> There's a way to wrap up, okay? I know, There's I'm like, did you, did, you not just, did you not just see what I just yeah. saw? <laughs> or did you not, you not want an ending to all 40 people that we've become attached to over the last 12 hours? Because I do. I want to see how yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the way that they bring together Arwen and Aragorn finally at the end, and like the way that they are able to wrap up that story and then the way that they are able to have that I mean that I mean the Grey Haven scene is just it's everything. Yeah. You know? Mm hmm No notes. No notes. Sorry. <laughs> you brought me on here to talk about my notes. I've got none for the movies. So <laughs> <laughs> they're flawless. <laughs> oh Callie, do you have any thoughts about just this incredible journey. <laughs> I think I can hear a little. <laughs> I know. I'm getting corky back there. Yeah, no, my, my dogs are whining at me too. <laughs> this whole happens at the end of podcast. <laughs> I don't know where Ike is. The animals. I think it's because so Ike, Josh definitely took Ike out, but Corky refuses to go. Like I have to do it. Aww. I know. I'm talking about. You. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess we'll probably go into it more in the next episode, which I am very excited for. But uh, I think a running theme for me throughout this has been that, like, I'm totally here for the tiny, intense moments that are in the book that don't make for good movie fodder. Like, <laughs> if I, like, like it, yeah, the things that I like from the books would not have made for good movie watching. <laughs> so mm. that is interesting. It's important to recognize that, you know, not things that you might like don't mm -hmm. always translate to every type of media, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think that that's the joy of books and the joy of movies and television, right? Is that like they yeah. don't have to be a carbon copies of each other yeah. and they, they all have, yeah. And they yeah. all have something that they have their own magic about them. And it's, yeah. 
I, I think it's a little bizarre to want this page for page to be recreated. And I don't even, I don't truly believe that's what people want. I think that no. people are just asinine, but yeah, um, <laughs> it's just an excuse. Just, they'll always come up with an excuse for why XYZ is terrible. And it's like, if someone made a page for page remake of Lord of the Rings, everyone would hate it. <laughs> you know, it's not like they actually think it would be good because it wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there are things like with Aragorn that I think would like be like, really yeah he said like the way he talks to eowyn sometimes i'm like (laughs) (laughs) and we need you know we can't be having him have off-putting scenes can't have exactly i mean (laughs) yeah and it's like i mean i would personally have done i would have done faramir differently than peter did but (laughs) do you know what i mean like i under i do um intellectually understand what they were doing with that you know Mm. um and I think that just like there's like the magic of movies, like the way that the the set design and, and the costumes and the music and the actors, as well as everyone, you know, like the directors and the writers all come together. The art, the you know, concept artists, the special yeah. effects people, like like the, it's an insane amount of effort that goes into all of this and all the and it's such a different experience from like a man and let's just say an oxford professor in the 30s you know writing a book um yeah it's just you know what i mean like i think that there is the beautiful thing about a book is that you can really dive deeper into these characters and you can know like all of their all of these backstories and all of their you know thoughts and feelings and stuff but then that the magic of movies is really that immersive like you get um surrounded by it you know and like mm-hmm. your your ears and your eyes and like you're, you're just yeah like, you don't need to be like told every little thing because in two seconds you can see and gather a lot more information than you can in you know a page of descriptive text <laughs> exactly exactly so i mean i think this has been a, it's just a really fun time um i'm sad to see her go for now but <laughs> it's, it's so weird because like i have been reading these books like every year since i was probably 11 and oh, wow. and it's like i mean this was probably the longest it took me to read them right because i would only yeah, read sure. like, exact <laughs> chapters yeah but I'm interested to see if I'll still get the urge around Christmas time to pick them up again. Cause that's usually when it happens. Like, oh. Hello? Yeah. I, I went for like a 10 year period where I read the Hobbit every year, like around Christmas. And, but I haven't, I haven't read the Lord of the Rings books in, I think the last time I read them was like after I graduated from college. So it's been probably like five years since I've read them. So I, I read, I reread those chapters just like right before we did this. Cause I was like, I could use it. It's been a minute since I've read those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. I mean, it's like uh, what's like I would read these once a year, but then the movies—they're so easy to pop on. Oh, the movies and like you're like my sick day movies. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. and especially during the pandemic, yeah. I would just so like me and Josh were both working out of the living room, and I only recently moved a desk into mm. my bedroom instead to be like, all right, let's, let's yeah. <laughs> but like in 
so we would like there were times where it was just it would just be like turn on lord of the rings i need it right now yeah, like yeah. i just Comfortably. i would just have it on and i would just keep working because i don't need to pay attention i know every single line yeah. that they're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're just mouthing the words as you're working we had nothing but maggie bread yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly like well about them they're <laughs> fresh like all the time all the time <laughs> or like 12 natural sprinters you know just like yeah, anything and everything every every quote is burned into my brain to a probably yeah. a detriment to me honestly <laughs> it's definitely taken up space of something that was probably important yeah really. like where did i Not put my birth enough. certificate <laughs> nah <It's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I will, Lauren, but we can only hope. <laughs> it's somewhere. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah. So the next up, for anybody wondering, will be, we're going back to PJ and we're doing The Hobbit after this. Um, so, so <laughs> Lauren, if you want to do book to movie. It's going to be weird. And this, we're probably going to get more into the appendices than we did for... Uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Ah, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so, I uh, again with my unpopular opinions. Like I love the Hobbit movies. Don't perfect. You're welcome to movies. join us. Great. <laughs> we need that enthusiasm for the Hobbit movies. I know you so Whenever lacking in it. Whenever anyone is like, "Yeah, we're going to do the Hobbit movies next," I'm like, "Woo!" <laughs> 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 I can really bring some enthusiasm because I can. I can tell. That's great. I think that I have such weird, I'm all over the place about my feelings about The Hobbit. I think that I was a little bit too, like, so at the very, so like, for example, the very first time I saw them, I I watched them three times in theaters, like the first one Mm -hmm. that came out. And every time I watched it, I was like, huh. I would be like, wait a minute, why'd they do that? But um, that's all right. That's okay. So on that note, our dogs need our attention. And so I just want to say thank you so much, Lauren and Callie, for being my emotional support through this final chapter episode. (laughs) I think we all Um, needed each other. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for Uh, having me on for these ones. I feel bad that I didn't have like more to say other than that i don't like the scouring of shire <laughs> i think i think that's totally valid and fair though but we did get to talk about how beautiful this was so mm-hmm. i think that's really what's important yeah and thank you again agreed thanks everyone. well we'll be talking to you soon and we'll see you guys next time when we're really diving deep into all of our favorite things about the books and the movies and maybe some of our least favorite things i don't know what those are yet but by the time <laughs> you hear me again you, you'll know <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be a fun one